Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Welcome to the Heat Check. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor of AllYouCanHeat.com. With me, as always, it's Dave Vermeil. How you doing, David? Oh, I am excited about this season, Wes, and I can't <laughs> wait to talk about it. So, um, we were planning on doing a podcast on Wednesday. Um, we got a lot of things going on today, on recording on Monday. But with this Josh McRoberts news breaking um, this afternoon, following the reports that Chris Bosh is going to be out indefinitely, we just figured we had to at least do some sad, depressing podcast, which is Dave and, I, and I's, uh, that's our specialty. So, um, quick uh, 20, 30 minute podcast. We're going to wrap this up. Um, just talking about McRoberts and Bosch and kind of what's going on here. Um, and we'll hit you back up later this week on Wednesday with another podcast, but Josh McRoberts, what turned out, what what we thought was a bruised knee turned out to be a right lateral meniscus tear. Yep. So not a bruised knee, a lot worse than a bruised knee out indefinitely. What could be for the rest of the season if the team is reporting, might be for us this season. Usually, the team is supposed to be optimistic, so he's out for like ten years or something now. So that's it. That's <laughs> the end of Josh McRoberts' career. <laughs> Let's hope not. I mean, just for his sake, because he seems like a pretty decent fellow overall. But I mean, that's just I, I, refresh my memory because I want to say it came late in the game against a team that we were actually beating over the last few weeks when the, you know those victories have been very rare. And he was kind of chasing a rebound out of bounds. Yeah. And he, ba- he banged his knee late in the fourth quarter for no reason whatsoever. And then he kind of limped off the court. And we wind up pulling out the victory anyway. And so he was supposedly fine after the game. Uh, there wasn't any kind of expectation that he would miss a lot of time. But then he's missed the last two games. And they finally did an MRI and said, oops, your, your knee's actually shy. And you're probably done for the year. I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. Because... It was toe surgery, right? Then it was a blister on his foot, and then right. it was a bruised knee. Or at first he was out sick for one game, and then it was a bruised <laughs> knee, or something. And now it's the whole thing's just torn, um, and so uh, that's not good. And now the Heat have an interesting situation with the lineup. So and Chris Bosh is out indefinitely. Um, they're doing, I guess, he's having it looked at today again to kind of redetermine what's going on. But yeah, he's out indefinitely. Um, so we have no idea how long that's going to be. That's kind of what indefinitely means. So Sunday against the Bulls, no McRoberts or Bosh. That was our first preview at this, and they started Justin Hamilton and Udonis Haslam, and that was an offensive disaster. Miami scored seventy-five points in the game. Oh yeah, that was uh, unbelievably poor. Um, just, just bad. The ball didn't move. There was no spacing. Haslam played four minutes, and thank goodness because he's just. Again, I think I attack Haslam way too much on this podcast. I love Haslam. I'm gonna preface everything. Haslam's the man, Mister Three Hundred Five for life. It's playing four on five basketball when he's on the court. Uh, it's it's sad, but you're right. I mean, it's 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 tough to separate 
the way he's a part of the team and the culture. I mean, he's just been such a you know, beloved by the community for over a decade now. So it's tough to say anything negatively about him. But Haslam, the player, unless he's in a perfect situation where he's guarding somebody who's immobile uh, and, and not much of a potent scorer. I mean, maybe he played a little effectively against a guy like Gasol. You know, so he was he was you know limiting his shots overall. But he was still able to pass out of whatever defense Haslam offered up. So those situations are just getting rarer and rarer. We saw it last year where he was only effective against Roy Hibbert. Uh, and, and then that kind of, you know, helped buoy him throughout the season. And everybody's thinking, oh, maybe he's not quite done. You know, he's still able to guard bigger players. We were hoping that he was healthy this year, that he'd bounce back. That's not the case. Yeah, Haslam's never coming back to the player he was. Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned that about Hibbert. There's about two or three teams in the NBA that, that Haslam's a decent matchup against. And that's against extremely immobile big guys like, like Hibbert. And if he rests a bunch of games, he can kind of give it a go at Gasol. And Gasol had a bad game. Right. And so it takes like a really good game from Haslam and, a, and literally Marc Gasol's worst game of the season to make that even a, a decent matchup. Maybe he could do something against a guy like Andre Drummond before he kind of fully develops into his own. And right. I don't know. There's, just, there's, very, there's two or three teams in this NBA where, where Haslam's a decent play matchup-wise. But like I said, it's four and five. And I... It's funny because he's built up the equity with Heat fans at this point that if he hits one baseline jumper, one block, or fights for one nice rebound, he's completely forgiven for the game, where it's like the complete opposite for a guy like Norris Cole who could turn it over once and all the Heat fans <laughs> want him traded immediately, but he could play a decent game overall, but one bad mistake and he's he's dead to Heat fans. And so... That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, one turnover from Cole or, you know, you know one missed shot. It's like, oh, what the hell is he doing out there? Like, you know. <laughs> Versus Haslam, you know, again, you know, a spinal stat line of one for five shooting and three rebounds. It's like, all right, UD's back, baby. <laughs> that one baseline shot that he hit. Yeah, thank yeah. God. He airballed the other four of them. But, um, so, but that's who they played. I mean, and we joke about it, but. That's he. He's going to be a key guy in the rotation. It looks like if Bosch and McRoberts are both out, the so the Heat started without McRoberts. So they started Sean Williams and got off to a four and one start. You know they were really great and everything was all happy and the Heat were only going to get better when McRoberts came back. McRoberts came back. They went into this huge losing streak. I'm not saying it's because of McRoberts, but uh, you know, shit hit the fan basically. And now McRoberts is out again, and they don't start Sean Williams in his place. Instead, they're starting Justin Hamilton, who they've finally decided is not a center, thank goodness. They've decided he's a power forward. Once he starts hitting that outside shot that he's capable of hitting, maybe the spacing is there, because teams aren't respecting him from outside right now. So there's there's like a, a three, four, three or four three-pointer game in Hamilton somewhere in some dimension. It, it's, it's lingering somewhere, because nobody's respecting him, and he's just going to go off for one of these games. I expect it. I'm calling it some point this season. So until that happens, though, they're not going to respect them. There's going to be no spacing. Is there any hope, you think? Well, maybe not hope. That might not be the right word. But is there any possibility that we might see a lineup where instead of Haslam starting, um, maybe Anderson starts and then Hassan Whiteside, who was brought up 
again after the shortest stint in the D League ever, that he might be the guy off the bench to, to give him some. I mean, you know, we, we don't know how long Bosch is going to sit out. Right. I guess there's always the possibility that it could just be a few games, you know, three, maybe four tops, and he'll be back here before you know it. But, I mean, I guess it could last a lot longer. It could be a number of weeks. And if that's the case, by that point, maybe the Heat will be, you know, several games under 500, and there's no longer any valid reason to keep playing for this season. Maybe it's just time to invest in the future and see what Whiteside brings, because he's probably more of a long-term project at this point than, you know, Anderson or Haslam, clearly. I love the idea of Anderson starting, and I've loved it for the last year and a half. And they're just and Eric right. Spolster just seems intent on and bringing him off the bench as an energy guy. And if that's what he thinks he is, that's fine. Um, if he's ending games, I think that's more important. But I'd like to see Sean Williams back in the starting lineup because I thought he's played his best basketball as a starting power forward. So as much as McRoberts not playing right now sucks, I think it's probably better for Williams. And if you start him at the four and maybe Hamilton at center, I know I said that the Heat have decided he's a power forward and they pretty much have, but desperate times, desperate measures... Hamilton's the closest thing they have to Bosch, which is depressing, but true. Because um, he can't start Haslam. I just... Uh, that that puts the team behind the eight ball so badly to start games. Yeah, and, and, and they don't really have anybody else that can kind of fill that gap. I mean, okay. I mean, maybe we should take a step back here and see the kind of impact it has on their roster. I, I've heard some talk that there might be a uh, disabled player exception available to the team. I guess they're they're okay, going okay. to apply for it, although I, I haven't heard any kind of rumblings about that. And then what? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, I, I don't know what that might lead to. Is Eddie Curry available? Ooh, that's an intriguing name. Um, Bring Antoine Walker out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, you're not taking this help. very seriously. I get the feeling you're not really taking this seriously. I think I'm just kind of like delusionally depressed or... It's like on the edge right now. I just here's the thing: is you they could kind of invest in the future, but now you're wasting Dwayne Wade and you're wasting Chris Bosh for a year, basically. And I don't like that. And that's been my issue this entire time: of oh, let's hold out for 2016. And I don't like that theory because you're basically wasting what few years Wade has left and two years of in his prime Chris Bosh to gamble on another free agency. And I don't like that everybody looks forward to 2016, just like every team looked forward to 2014, just like every team's, you have a couple teams looking forward to 2015, because there's this idea that the, the free agency of 2010 created that all these free agents are up to grabs, where the reality is Carmelo Anthony just resigns, Chris Bosh just resigns, Kyle Lowry just resigns, Eric Bledsoe doesn't go anywhere, Greg Monroe doesn't go anywhere. None of these big-name free agents leave, but because 2010 was so crazy and wacky, everybody thinks that anybody can go anywhere. But that's just not simply—that's simply just not the case. It was just a strange year. That was the exception, not the rule. And I don't like this idea of the Heat holding out for 2016 and signing only two-year players. Maybe I'm wrong, but to me, Wade and Bosch are very good, and there are guys that you could get via trade or whatever. I think there's a balancing act, and I just don't think the Heat. I understand LeBron left, and that wasn't the plan. But if they're really looking at 2016 and, and completely bypassing the idea of making some moves immediately that can bolster this roster and maybe they can make a push, I think that's the way to go. I think that's 
you need to try to make a push. Can you get a Greg Monroe right now or Jeff Green from the Celtics or anybody right now that can kind of help this team make a push? I think you got to do it because you just can't waste Wade and Bosch for two years. I, I think you brought up a good point, Greg Monroe, and I think maybe with that player exception and Norris Cole's salary, that's enough, right, to acquire Monroe? Um, no, I don't, what's I the don't player know. exception that we have? Well, I think it's it's not the one that we have, but the disabled player exception. Ah. It's a two point six five million, I think, is the amount that they're talking about. Yeah. So if they have that and Cole, maybe they have to throw in someone like James Ennis or Justin Hamilton or something like that. Um, yeah. Then yeah, that should be enough for Greg Monroe. Um, why would the Pistons do it? Maybe we throw in a draft pick or something. Uh, one that we don't have. I mean, I, I don't know how far in the like future a, we have to go. Yeah, that's true. We don't have a pick. Don't we have like a second round? I think we have like a second round pick or something. I mean, maybe Ennis, I think he's on a couple of years left on his contract, right? Isn't his deal expired yeah. next season as opposed to this one? I maybe there's not such a hard get, I think. There's like there's teams that might be able to acquire him and offer more than the Heat, and that's the issue. And uh, that's the problem here. Unless they're willing to part ways with a guy like. Like, who do the Heat have that they could trade? Luol Dang? Unless, Not really. Right? Like, barely. Norris Cole? Like, a team has to like Norris Cole in order for them to trade for Norris Cole. And I have a feeling a lot of teams don't really think he's that good. Right. Right. So, that's what they... I mean, we might have to trade away somebody. We might have to trade away Dang and take back an incredible amount of, you know, salary cap space. Right. And that conflicts with that whole 2016 plan, which, as you mentioned, is a gamble. So, I mean, Miami's in a really tough spot. I mean, they don't really have any great options either this season. Um, if they wait until next season, like you said, it wastes another season or another year of Dwayne Wade's career, another year of Chris Bosh's career. And then 2016, that gamble may not pay off. So what do you, what do you, there's no long-term plan in place here. At least not that I see. There's a hope and a wish that maybe, you know, Kevin Durant comes in 2016 and signs with Miami, but that seems really unlikely. So right. what do you do What do you do this season? It doesn't look like – I don't think they had any kind of idea that the season was going to turn out as badly. You know, I mean, Chris Bosh, uh, you know, bringing him back was huge. Dwayne Wade, that was a foregone conclusion. But Dang and McRoberts, they were supposed to be these versatile, you know, space – providers, they were shooters, they, they, they were defenders, they could do the little things that we were lost uh, with, you know, with James's absence, and then all of a sudden, you know, they spent time injured, you know, they never meshed, Dang never really turned into the, the player that you hoped he might be. <sighs> what a disastrous season it's been. It really has, and um, I don't know, Luol Deng's just not that good, and I think this, this contract's going to look really bad next year, um, and... Josh McRoberts, man, I really—he was just starting to come along, and that's what sucks the most about this is he—we were finally starting to get some cool highlight plays out of him, and right. and really see what he was capable of doing for us, and and he's just—and now it's—it's—he's gone. It's over for the rest of the season. It looks like. Um, well, did you see the analysis regarding the the projected starting lineup for the team? No. What are you talking about? Uh, well, when you know the season before the season started, obviously the projected starting lineup would have been Cole, oh. Wade. Uh, Dang, McRoberts, and Bosch. Right. They they played it. That lineup played a total of thirty four minutes together. Oh my god! And shot a fifty nine percent while they were on the floor. Had a plus minus of thirteen. 
and, and it scored 127 points for 100 possessions. That sounds <laughs> really then, good, David. That, I like that. I like that lineup. We should get those guys. Oh, wait, we did. And, and never. <laughs> and they're all injured. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's cra- the craziest thing I think about all of this is how we are talking about should the Heat make a move or should they just forego the rest of the season and, and just wait wait out the year? All of this hinges on Josh McRoberts, a guy that the Charlotte Hornets let walk away. Basically. Yeah. I that's mean, how little I mean, that's one way. I mean, maybe it's a little simplistic, you know. But you're you're right in that he's like kind of the I wouldn't say the focal point, but I guess he was the hope that maybe he would be able to fill in there. You, you kept saying when we when we displayed weaknesses early in the season when he was sitting out, it's like, well, once he starts, he's gonna be you know he's gonna be the the, the focal point, or he's gonna help move things along offensively. He's gonna get that ball rotation mm-hmm. going. Uh, and, and then, you know, once he starts, it's like, well, he's still kind of on a limited, you know, playing schedule. Mm-hmm. He only plays a number of minutes, et cetera. And then he gets hurt. He sits out again. He gets back in the lineup. He's still rusty. It's like, you know, at some point you had hoped by now that he was going to be rounding into form. And he had shown signs of that and, and, and that he was just going to continue to get better and, and show glimpses that we saw during that limited 34 minute stretch there. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the good news is that. When Bosch comes back, at whatever point that is, they still have that starting lineup that started the season so strong, right? So that's the good news. And McRoberts wasn't there, and they still played well. Um, Ennis has come along since then. So has Shabazz Napier. Um, Chris Anderson looks like he's healthy again. Granger's healthy like he wasn't in the beginning of the year. I don't know if that's a, hel- a plus or a minus, but it's a fact. Um so there's the good news, I guess, right? So once Bosch comes back and Bosch and Wade are playing, maybe Sean Williams starts going back to the way he was, draining threes to start the game and stuff like that. Norris Cole is, picks it up again. Chalmers is still playing great. I mean, there's something that could happen, right? Yeah, no doubt. I, I just, it, it seems maybe maybe the problem is that we just feel very, it, it looks like a very grim, Outlook at this point, maybe maybe the the news that Bosch was going to miss a considerable amount of time, which we weren't expecting, that's one thing. The fact that we were hoping that you know McRoberts would bounce back either tomorrow against Utah or you know on Thursday, and that's not going to happen. He's out for the season. It's just that that one-two punch, Mm -hmm. you know, really takes a lot out of any expectations you might have. You're right. I mean, maybe you're being very positive and that's great because you know my tendency at this point my feeling at this point is to say oh this season is lost oh no I feel like crap I'm just trying to make things you're right though you're you're right you're pointing out the positives because they're there I mean this is still a very professional team there's still a lot of talent there's still a little you know they're in the east which is good for you know good 10-15 wins over the course of the season but then there's always there's this sense that let's say you know Bosch comes back in a couple weeks and the team ekes out one or two extra victories during that stretch that we weren't expecting to get. Then all of a sudden, you know, Bosch comes around and, and Wade, Wade goes out again. Or right. Luol Deng misses sometimes, which you know both of those players could, you know, one day from, from one day to the next, they could sit out a, a considerable amount of time. They I mean, you want to bet a dollar of your own money that Wade's going to play the rest of the season. I mean, we, we assume Wade's going to play. He's going to miss a few more games. So absolutely. you're absolutely right about that. Well, I mean, he's even going to miss tomorrow night's game against right. Brooklyn. I mean, he's already out. You know? So, I mean, maybe that's another thing, too. Then it's like, 
you get Bosch, you get McRoberts news, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, and Wade is out due to illness. It's like, oh, come on, you know, what's next? You know, does Cole have like a splinter or something, and he can't, <laughs> he, he's not going to play? I mean, you keep expecting more bad news to happen. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of positive insight. The worst part about all this is we actually have to, you and I, blogging about the team. We have to watch these games. Oh my god! I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know how I got through that Bulls game last night. Um, we have to watch. We have to just go through these games and just watch them and and try to write about these things. And you know, I don't want to. Com- I don't want to be like that blogger complaining. But that's. I'm. I'm a blogger. And I'm complaining right now. Well, I think both you and I. I don't know exactly when you began, but I, I, I can imagine that it was during the Big Three era. So. There was certainly a lot more hope and a lot more optimism, and certainly a lot more number of storylines to write about than just, well, they suck today, they may suck less tomorrow, kind of. You know, fingers crossed. You know, that seems like the, the, the likelihood for the next few weeks and, and probably for the rest of the season. I mean, it, I don't know. The, 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 you and I, you know, we had that first podcast, what we've referred to as the very depressing podcast. <laughs> The Doom and Gloom podcast, and, and then the following, you know, the author starting off three and we're like, oh, okay, maybe this team is better than we had hoped, or maybe there is a hope that they're they're going to find an, an identity early on rather than later, and they're going to really mesh into something. And, and you know, we we'd seen glimpses of it, we had some promise, some hope, and then. You know, Wade misses time, and you know we lose six games here and there, or we lose five out of six, or something along those lines. You know, then then McRoberts goes out again, and it's just this one thing over and over and over again. And, and dealing with a big three era, say what you will about the times that they took days off or took certain games off, but there was a consistency there, man. I, I mean, LeBron James, he just doesn't miss many games, right. if, if if hardly ever. Um, so, but there was a consistency there, you know. Let's say he sits out. What's like? Well, you still have Bosch in his prime, Wade in his prime, and a number of really quality role players that can step up. I don't think this, we appreciated Ray Allen and how many times he would step up over the last couple of years. I mean, speak for yourself, buddy, because I, I sure is, I appreciated the hell out of him. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if we if should use him back, right now. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He would certainly be a, an added. Bonus. I, I don't see that happening no, whatsoever. Definitely no chance. Why would he? That's boarding the Titanic right now. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Well, we're going down this path again. <laughs> Speaking of Ray Allen, it sounds like he might be making a decision in January. So. Really? Is that the, the latest? That's what I heard button? yesterday. Yeah. Uh, somebody. I can't remember who tweeted it. Um, somebody. Somebody important tweeted it. Um. Yeah, so he might make a decision in January. Maybe go to the Warriors? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the latest news I'd heard, although I heard Washington. I mean, they look strong. Maybe that's an option as well. I like him in Washington a lot. I think uh, Washington I like for Lance Stevenson, and I like for Ray Allen, one of those two. But a backup two-guard I think could do wonders for that team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching, uh, watching the Wizards this year. Yeah. I'm just going to ignore the heat for the rest of the year. Don't even bother going back to allyoucaneat.com, people listening. There's got to be no more stories. We're done. Wow. <laughs> what do I do for a living from now on? <laughs> I mean, I, I am. Sorry, dude. I'm breaking the news right here. That's okay. This is like the Mike Malone of blogging right here. I had no idea. <laughs> you're, 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 draw, 
something to hammer over a podcast. It's like, this could be the most awkward ending to a podcast in all of history. All right, and uh, we'll see you next week, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm joking, people. All You Can Heat will still be running. Where else Always. You... Always, yeah. And we'll, we'll uh, do breakdowns on Justin Hamilton's uh, six-point games, 6.3 rebound games. That'll be fun. Let me ask you a question because some, some other Heat writers I talked to um, were talking about Lance Stevenson. No. Right? I, Why? I mean, heat writers, Heat fans, everybody. Well, even over the summer, Lance Stevenson, what's he going to do for this team? Can he? Is he a good shooter? No. No. Is he a good leader? No. Is he a good rebounder? Kind of, but not enough that's going to boost Miami from worse than the 76ers in rebounding. Right. When um, he's inspired, maybe he can be a good rebounder. Right. But, I mean, he's not going to get, like, 10 rebounds a game. He's not going to dramatically... What is he going to do for this team? Somebody... I, I'm with you, David. I have no idea. Is he just a name that people know and they're, like, Heat fans are just grabbing at straws? I think so. I think there's also that promise of athleticism, a little dynamic energy. Maybe they see in him somebody who has the skill set or at least the athleticism between Wade and maybe there's, like, they could bring him up or teach him up to be the same kind of player Wade was, you know, since he's still young. But, I, I mean, for me, and maybe it's, you know, an old school mentality, whatever, but I, I just can't handle the headache of seeing that kid be a complete ass right. on, on, a, on a other, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe I'm giving, I'm not giving him enough credit. But no, I you're exactly enough, right. It's not worth it. Yeah. Over the course of his career, he's never shown that he's able to be very stable mentally for a prolonged period of time. So maybe you'll get a good two, three, maybe even a five-game stretch where he doesn't do anything stupid. But in that sixth game, boy, look out. He's going to do something ridiculous. And it's uh, it's going to have you shaking your head and going, oh, come on. I mean, it's, it's beyond a simple flop here and there, which we've, you know, we've seen Dwayne Wade and LeBron James over the last four years. We know flopping happens over the course of an NBA game. That's not, you know... <laughs> that's not anything out of the ordinary. I just don't want to see the complete and total jackassery that Stevenson brings to the court every time he's on there. Yeah, we don't need that. And um, the idea that the Pacers and the Hornets, who were both completely inept on offense, are letting him walk and not willing to pay him more than Marcus Thornton makes for the Boston Celtics, that says enough to me. That they're just let it, they're actively letting him go. The Pacers had no intent of bringing him back. Absolutely not. So the Heat don't need that. And I don't think Riley's even going to go down that path. I, I just don't see that. He doesn't want to deal with that either. Now, I, I had planned on, on, on writing this up later this week, but I also wanted to discuss the possibility that maybe the loyalty that the team showed to some of their core players or even the guys on the fringes like Haslam, is that going to be... Does Riley, Can Riley even make a move at this point? I mean, I, I would say that there isn't much invested emotionally in Norris Cole and maybe some of the other younger players like Hamilton or Ennis, maybe even Napier, but you can't trade away Anderson as much as you'd love to get rid of his contract. You can't trade away um, Haslam. You certainly can't trade away Day. Even after you, I mean, after you said over the summer that he could represent the biggest free agent signing in all of Heat history, I mean, you kind of wind up looking like an idiot if you wind up making these moves, right? So, is it possible that the Heat could be bound by this loyalty to these players like Anderson and Haslam, or maybe even just by their their conceit, their public image, you know, especially Riley? Yeah, 
I mean, what do you do with Chalmers? You, you say, well, you know, we screwed up. We thought he turned it around this season. And, he, you know, he had played well for certain stretches there. I mean, he was their best player for a number of games when Wade was out, so... I think the only guy you can really trade is Norris Cole, and I think people don't understand that as a contract thing, as a, we just drafted Shabazz Napier in the first round, we're not really going to resign Norris Cole, um, and that deadline had passed. I, you can't trade Haslam, I've been saying this forever. As much as people want to see Ken Birch, you can't bring up Ken Birch and play him over Haslam. That's just disrespectful to Haslam, and this team's not going to do that. As much as Ken Birch is an upgrade over Haslam at this point, and he is, and I think that was obvious even in the preseason. Oh, yeah. Um, you can't, like, how do you, Eric Spolstra said that he apologized to Haslam after last night's debacle in, against Chicago for only playing him four minutes. Could you imagine how that would go over if he played this Ken Birch kid that no one's ever heard of, brought him up for the D-League and, play, and played him over Haslam? Like, that would just, that would not go over well. And the only way you can get away with the Chris Anderson trade is if you trade him to Cleveland. Because every, you can at least view that through the through the lens that Anderson would rather play for a winning team, and maybe now that this McRoberts is out and and Bosch is out for who knows how long, maybe you can play that card. Like, look, Chris, we love you, but we don't want you on on wasting your last couple of years in the NBA on this thing. We'll send you to Cleveland so you can have a, a chance at a title. Maybe they can get something back for Chris Anderson, even a small asset, even something. I think that's the only way you could play off the Anderson thing is make the other players in the locker room happy for him. Right, right. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that, that the player has to publicly go out and thank the Heat organization yeah. and tell them that he was looking forward to this trade, that he's not necessarily asked for it because you kind of wind up coming across as a, a diva type of a player if you force a trade a la you know, Carmelo Anthony. So, I mean, for Anderson and everything he's meant to this franchise over the last couple of years, that sense of loyalty, the the you know the happiness that he brought the fans when he re-signed here and directly spurned Cleveland. The only way that we could trade him away is if he publicly states how much he's looking forward to this move, and that he doesn't hold any grudges against the Heat franchise or anything like that. Otherwise, you just wind up coming across like a real like a real dick. I, mean, yeah. I think Pat Riley couldn't make that move without without damaging his reputation. And, and you know, Heat Lifer, Heat Family, all the different logos and slogans that they've been selling this year, they seem a little <laughs> a little pale in reality if you're trading away, you know, core guys or guys that have meant something to this franchise. Yeah, I agree with you. I think loyalty definitely pays off. Um, and the continuity that comes with it, more importantly, I think certainly pays off. I mean, imagine how much worse this team is if Instead of Chalmers, they get some other random point guard and who has no idea how to play with this team. I mean, if instead of Anderson, they end up with some other senator that's never played with this team. I mean, this team could have been a lot worse, but that continuity, even the minor, small amounts of continuity that existed, it still helped this team tremendously. So, with that loyalty and continuity is something, but at the same time, when you're trading loyalty for you just end up in a in a this quicksand that they seem to be in right now where this team is just aging rapidly and there's no tradable assets or discernible trade value of any kind on this roster. Now you're in a situation where it's like, okay, well now what do we do? Have we been too loyal? Right. Right. So that was my concern. Yeah. Alright, well I think we'll get back to a podcast on Wednesday. Does that sound good? I think so. Absolutely. All right. We'll probably know more by then. We'll get to previewing the game, serial or not serial, the whole 
usual thing, but thanks for joining me for a quickie. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see how this week plays out, I guess. Absolutely. Hopefully nobody will you know, get hurt today or tomorrow oh. on the way to Brooklyn. <laughs> Crossing my fingers. Yeah. All right, David. Take care. Thanks for listening to a short version of the Heat Check. Catch us on SoundCloud. Find my writing and find David's writing at allyoucanheat.com, which is still up and running. Have a good one. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.